1: Tennis here has just finished in New Zealand, the ASB Classic. Starting up tomorrow, we have the Aussie Open uh, kicking off. Brett Phillips from SEN will be doing the commentary for us. You'll have it here live from 9 o'clock tomorrow night for the next couple of weeks. And we have got him on the line as well. Brett, uh, good afternoon to you, mate, and uh, happy Sunday.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, likewise. Yes, it's the calm before the storm, the Sunday before the Australian <laughs> Open. So yeah, it's uh, going to be uh, ma- madness for the next two weeks.
1: Yeah, I bet it is, mate. Hey, before I ask you about the Aussie Open, can I just ask you, we've just had the ASB Classic, you know, the men's and the women's finish yeah. here. Does that get much yep. traction in Aussie or much notice? Do people look at those results and go, ooh, or is it just kind of another event that happens before the Aussie Open?
0: No, look. I think if you if you follow the sport really closely, uh, people are keeping an eye on every match being played and results. And I I suppose you call them the uh, (laughs) a kind of word, yeah, the tennis nuffies if you like. Who are are all over it and breathing it. And I've got to say, and uh, we, you know, for the first serve, big part of SCN, uh, we cover everything on our social media. And uh, that photo of Richard Gasquet yesterday, just pouring that big bottle of champagne over his head, was one of the best photos I've seen. (laughs) He might have been. He might have been wondering, uh, the great Frenchman, whether he was going to win another title at the age of thirty-six. Yes, knockout Cam Norrie, and he could potentially play our very own uh, firebrand uh, Nick Kyrgios in the second round of the Ooh. AO. He's had one of the. He's had one of the best single-handed backhands, Richard, for uh, a long time. Like so many, you know, played in yes. that really tough Nadal, uh, Federer, Djokovic era. Made a couple of. Uh, semi-finals, but like all the French, uh, they've always been blessed with so much skill out on the tennis court. So great to see him win one in the twilight Year. Oh, absolutely!
1: It was, a, and it was a great final. To, you know, Norrie tore up the first one. Gasquet came back in the second one. Norrie gets a big lead in the third one. You yeah, Gasquet finds the, the gas to get back in it and win. Yeah. Great game. But of course, you know, Cameron Norrie with his New Zealand you know, history, you know, he lived here for a long time. His parents still live here. Mm. He had a lot of uh-huh. home support. And I don't know if that. Worked for him or against him? Do you think sometimes that can put more pressure on you?
0: Well, I think it can. Yeah, I mean, any anyone who plays uh, at home, uh, we saw it with our very own Thanasi Kokonakis, who so who won the title in Adelaide last year and and had a pretty good uh, backup uh, Adelaide, a chance to get through to the final. But I mean, he sort of likes having that crowd in his hip pocket mm. because it is rare for a, it's rare for uh, probably the Australian and. You know uh, New Zealand tennis players to actually have the opportunity to play at home, so yes. they love having that roar of the crowd, yes, you know, totally in their favour. But it probably brings a little bit of pressure and uh, expectation. But you know, look, Cam Norrie, I think, is going to have another pretty solid year on the tour. I mean, mm. he's gone from being a player who was you know 70 odd to now being a top 20, uh, got inside the top 10 at one stage. I love his backhand, particularly that cross court backhand. and He's um he's a good solid pro. I love his story. It was mm. a South African link uh, to New Zealand to representing GB, and uh, I know he you know he'll take every opportunity to get back to New Zealand and play.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a bit it's a bit of a double edged sword for us. You know, we're great that he, we're happy that he's doing so well, but you know, obviously, we're a bit upset that he you know, had to go to you know mm. go under the Great Britain flag to carry on his career. But yep. from what I know about it, that kind of he kind of had to do, make that decision.
0: Well, he did. Yeah, I mean, that was the opportunity. I think back when he was about sixteen to yeah, mm. get over to the UK. He basically went on his own and you know got involved in an academy over there. And then obviously there was um, you know some investment put into his tennis and the resources and yeah, he's been able to carve out a career. You know, mid to late twenties yeah. and you know to get himself up to the top ten yep. is a, is a mighty achievement. And you know, a lot of players, a lot of players go on a long journey in tennis mm. and don't, don't know quite where they're going to land. And you always love the ones who can. Yeah, you know, actually make a living out of the sport. Yes. Whilst they might not win a grand slam, whilst they might not reach the absolute top echelons, if you stay inside that top one hundred you're guaranteed at least, you know, about four hundred thousand yeah. dollars as a base for mm. making first round of the slams. Yep. And then, um, you know, it's all it all sort of seems worth it if you, you know, you're an independent contractor who's got your income and expenditure and yeah, uh, outside of the top one hundred. I was actually reading um, mm. about one of your young guys. His name has escaped me. The young fellow who got the wild card, I think, into Auckland.
1: Oh, that was um, um, P- Pinau, Pannell Panu? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I was reading I was reading his story today, and that that typifies. Um and I think he I think he made about six thousand dollars uh prize money last year and he yes. spent thirty four thousand on travel and coaching and everything else and he's six hundred in the world. So unless you get to that top one hundred, it is it is really t- to make it in professional tennis,
1: yeah, yeah, it sure is. Well, look, let's get on to the Aussie Open, uh, Brett. I saw in the news last night there was an exhibition match between uh, Novak and uh, and Nick, which seemed to be all yeah you know, lighthearted and well well done. But what is the reaction to Novak in Aussie? Is he still the king of Melbourne?
0: Well, I've got to say he got a he got a really good reception uh, on Friday night. So it was it was yeah I can't believe a practice match actually drew a sellout crowd and was live on television. Uh, we've come a long way. Um, but there are there are a lot of people who can't afford to go to the Australian Open who pay twenty dollars. They got uh, a little little look at Novak. Look, the reception's been good. Yeah. Um, he's, got, he's obviously got a huge Serbian supporter base in Melbourne Mm. who absolutely adore him but I haven't heard any ruckuses at this stage I I mean throughout the next two weeks um, there's no guarantee that there might be someone that uh, protests or disrupts um, a match that Novak's involved in they can't be totally sure that's not going to happen Mm. but I think generally our audience here love the champions of sport they respect what he's done in the sport and and they're glad to have him back. So yeah, we'll just see um, how the next fortnight looks. And he's had a little issue with the hamstring and the build-up. Oh, really? Uh, that's well, that's one to watch. I okay. Mean, he played the Adelaide final. Played the Adelaide final last weekend and just slightly um, twinged his hamstring. But he played out uh, that match and won the final. Then had a hit out with Medvedev during the week, where he pulled up from practice. He's got a bit of taping okay. in the back of the hamstring, but. He seems to be okay, but obviously one will uh, yeah, monitor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, when you mentioned the Aussie Open, you know, Novak is the first name you mentioned, then probably Nick Curious is the next one you mentioned. How is, how is the bad boy looking for this one?
0: Well, it's going to be interesting because he hasn't. Played a lead-up event, oh. uh, obviously missed the United Cup. He had to pull out of Adelaide. Uh, back end of last year, I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a point of conjecture. He didn't represent Australia in Davis Cup, which has been a big talking point oh, here. Oh, really? Then went, then went and played um, a couple of those exhibitions in the Middle East where you pocket a very, very nice sum when you go to that part of the world.
1: And mm.
0: He actually just slightly tweaked his ankle. Um, but he's been practising the last couple of days. He looks okay. If there's one guy that can sort of pick up a racket Not a lot of match practice. Yeah, that's right, Nick Kyrgios. (laughs) Yeah, because he serves so big. Um, Yeah, he's on that same sort of side of the draw as Djokovic. So potential quarterfinal if Nick was able to get through to that stage. But we'll sort of go one gap, one game at a time. But yeah, he's our. I mean, if you're hand on heart, he's he's our one genuine hope of all the Aussies of actually. You know, making some sort of imprint on the on the draw. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I've had a look at the uh, Aussie Open website and I, I think it's been hacked, uh, Brett, because I'm seeing the men's top seed is Rafael Nadal. How 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 He he's, he's half injured well, and but, what, he, you know.
0: Yeah, well that's because well the world number one he's not he's not here, uh Carlos Elcaraz. So Elcaraz um oh. was pulled out with injury. Okay. So he um, he pulled out about a week ago, which is really unfortunate. I had an unbelievable year last year, Carlos, for a nineteen-year-old. Mm. What he did, uh, but I think the the physical strains of that year, he got the abdominal strain really late in the year, and a little uh, injury uh, um, setback just prior to the AO, which has meant he's had to pull out, which is disappointing. But we'll see him for the next fifteen years. So that elevates Nadal up to the top seed as the world number two, mm. and then. Djokovic is now coming to the, the fourth seed, which means uh, Djokovic and the Dale couldn't meet each other until uh, a semi final if both you know go through to that stage.
1: Ah, uh, so they they still on the same side of the draw though.
0: Ah, mm. uh, well, no opposite uh, opposite sides, but they that's that's the earliest they could meet would be a semi final.
1: Okay, okay, but they could also meet in yeah. the final depending on how it goes.
0: Uh, no, 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 it's semi final. Okay, no, oh. no, it'll be it be
1: a semi. Yeah, oh. that'll be, be the matchup. Okay, yeah. yeah. See, I I'd, I'd love to see Nadal Djokovic in the final. You know, just one more dance for the old boys. <laughs> um, oh no, it'd be nice. Yeah, it would it would be nice. But isn't Nadal? Isn't he? Is he looking fit? Because I've heard all sorts of stories. You know, he's had to modify mm-hmm. his serve, and it, it, what is going on? Yeah. Well, look,
0: Rafa's never going at full rap power. He's had this foot issue for a long time now, but he takes all these sort of painkilling injections to to get himself right. He didn't. He, so he played two matches of the United Cup to start the summer, lost both of those, didn't look razor sharp, mm-hmm. and he did miss uh, the back end of last year, of course, his wife um, you know, giving birth to their first child. So yes. Uh, he has had a good practice week in Melbourne. He's, as Rafa calls it, you know, a positive practice week where Mm. you're not actually playing matches, but you feel like you're hitting the ball pretty well. He's. Mm. bet we've had the cameras on him. He's moving okay. He's got got a guy called Jack Draper in the first round. Now, just watch out for this guy. Okay. Because he went from outside the top 200 to 40 in the world in the last 12 months. Jeez. Brood of a lad. Serves absolute bombs at you. Oh. And loves to, loves to get into the net where he's got that big wingspan.
1: That's a difficult opponent for Nadal, which will be you know, on day one tomorrow. Oh, gosh, that's his first one up. Oh, boy. Okay, okay. And th- was there something he was having a problem with the Dunlop ball as well? Did I read that somewhere?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of the players who are not um, not, not that happy with the Dunlop balls. Um, We're there trying to... Um, yeah, going to the technicalities of it all. I just I just believe it doesn't quite give them the spin um, that uh, that it needs. Now, the Dale uses a lot of top spin the yes. way he plays. So a lot of revolutions on his forehand. He needs that top spin. He doesn't hit the ball very flat. So um, it, he's found that the Dunlop balls, there's not as much control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, players... I mean, people who are, you know, obviously real tennis aficionados understand this sort of language about players adjusting the, their string tension. Right. Um, you know, the balls can play a big part in that, and they all play they all play a little bit differently in the way they. You know, grip their racket, forehand, backhand, the shape they get on the ball. Some play flatter, some play with more flight and top spin So,
1: yeah, yeah
0: conditions don't always suit every player. Where they've got to sort of adapt and and try and find a way, is um, it, which it, you know is, is part of tennis because we play on all different
1: surfaces. Is it a change of ball or something that I mean, it was it was Dunlop last year. Has Dunlop always been the ball supplier, or is it a no? Oh. No, no. The slams, the slams will
0: do sort of deals with a, a ball manufacturer for a period. I mean, if you think of the French, uh, they had Babolat for as long as we can remember, which is a French brand, iconic in France. Right. Uh, the the Babolat tennis ball and rackets and everything. And they changed to Wilson. Last year, so yeah. yeah, I suppose whoever's whoever's sometimes throwing the most money, and they do a deal for a good period, <laughs> they get some great exposure.
1: Jeez, oh, okay. Well, what about um, the second seed, Casper Root? He didn't have, he didn't last long here in Auckland. What are you? What are his hopes?
0: Well like I like mean, he's a, he's a good player. Two Grand Slam finals last year. He's a real professional. Great team. His dad is with him there. You know, he obviously played on the tour, Christian. And he's got a really solid family. Mm. He's, um, I think, he's ready to take the next step. But that group of men, it's just, it's going to come down to matchups. It'll come down to the day because all those guys, if you just separate them from uh, Djokovic and Nadal, yeah. there's all of them who are a chance. Um, but the the margins are really, really small. But I think Casper's certainly upped his intensity in terms of ball striking. Uh, he knows he's got to hit pretty heavy against these guys. We've mm. also got to bring a bit of creat- creativity as well. We saw it with Elkaraz, you know, rising to number one last year. Loved playing the drop shot, loved yes. uh, slicing away. If you can bring all that variety and get players out of rhythm, then that's when you can upset players. So, um, yeah, he's, look, he's going to stay top 10 for a, a fair period. It's just whether he can, you know, nab one of these Grand Slams.
1: Yeah, well, that exactly right. And one man who also won't be short of... Uh, home supporters, old Stefano Sitsipas. Does he get a big following in Melbourne?
0: He does, yeah. yes. The Greek population love uh, loves Sitsipas. There's actually a little, there's a restaurant in the heart of Melbourne called yeah. um, uh, Stelictites where yes. actually Marcus Bagdadis back, Marcus made a final here back in uh, 2006 and yes. Marcus is actually going to join us in commentary oh, over brilliant. the next couple of weeks. He's back, here playing the Legends uh, doubles but when he had that run in 2006, he would go to this restaurant, hmm.
1: uh,
0: 20, open 24 hours, and you should have seen the crowd outside <laughs> this restaurant trying to look at Marcos as he's having a you know, late-night late suvalaki. <laughs> that,
1: is, that is brilliant. I love that. What a great story. Oh, fantastic. And what about some of the other names that we often hear, like you know, Medvedev and Zverev? How, how are they coming into the Aussie Open this year?
0: Well, Zverev's the interesting one because we, he had that horrific uh, injury against Nadal at the French last year when he, um, you know, uh, really damaged the ankle, Achilles uh, severely, was you know, taken off on a, a wheelchair. And we haven't—he's come back at the start of this year. He does look pretty scratchy. Didn't play that well at the United Cup, so I don't think there's much expectation on Big Sasha to, to have a, a great Australian Open. Mm. Uh, Medvedev's just a ruthless competitor. Uh, yeah. Didn't have his best didn't have his best slam year last year, um, Daniil. But you know I think he's going to be right there when the whips are cracking in the second week. And you know there's Andre Rublev who's trying to get past the quarterfinal stage. Berrettini, big hitter. Uh, just watch out for this young boy from Denmark, uh, Holger Rune, who's an absolute superstar in the making. Um, you know, former junior number one, rose to the top oh. ten at nineteen in the last twelve months. So okay. everyone sort of talk, everyone's talking about El Kharez, but Rune is. That could be a potential Kyrios third round, which would be a bit of fireworks. He's a bit of an agitator, the young man. Doesn't mind just pricking the needle a little bit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'll keep on out for Holger Rune. That sounds really good. And what about on the the women's side as well, Um, Brett? Of Mm. course, with us, Coco Goff was fantastic here in Auckland. She had a magic tournament, won it convincingly, was easily the best player here, but also for an 18-year-old, incredibly mature.
0: I, I really think uh, Coco's ready to strike uh, this year. And it, it is funny, because we keep thinking of her as this sort of seasoned player now. Then you mm. look at her age, and oh, she's still only 18. It's yeah. quite remarkable. Yeah, What she's achieved, I mean, we first looked at her, at, well, I remember seeing her at Wimbledon when she was uh, 15, mm. uh, playing against Venus Williams in the main draw. And, yeah, maturity beyond her years. Look, the women's, I've got to say, probably lacking a little bit of star power this year. You've got mm. Iga Sviontek, who's the clear world number one by about 6,000 points. And wow. then you've got this big pack. Yeah. If you're looking at that pack of players, Coco is the one who's got probably the most upside mm. um, to her career. So, yeah, good win. I did watch you know a few of her matches in Auckland. And mm. She was pretty solid. So, you know, one Grand Slam final at Roland Garros uh, last year. I think she can maybe get to a couple uh, this year and, and leapfrog... Yeah, a few of those players in front of her. But, yeah, still 18. You know, she's got a lot of time to make her mark on the sport if she hasn't already.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think she's a she's a hope. And what about um, uh, Emma Raducanu? Is she fit to play or not? Because she obviously injured herself here. Yep.
0: Yeah, we had media day here yesterday. So she did front the media. She declared that um, she's feeling good. She's obviously been doing a hell of a lot of work in the last week to recuperate that uh, that uh, ankle oh, and good. you know lot behind lot behind the scenes. Obviously the players here. I mean they got access to God, everything you know medical <laughs> medically <laughs> they need to get themselves right. Hyperbaric yeah. chambers, everything else you need. So look, she's declared herself declared herself ready to go. But gee, you get into a Grand Slam match and it'll test everything physically. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll just see where she lands. But um, it, it's nice actually that for Emma, because when she won that US Open, she was put up in lights. And I I felt a little sorry for her in a way, because, you know, you you sort of achieve a result like that way before time that Mm. you probably should. And then suddenly the expectations are that you have to maintain that. And she's sort of gone away trying to figure herself out, a few different coaches, uh, but just trying to be a normal girl as well. And it's, I think, I think the tennis world, done a pretty good job just to take a little bit of pressure off her to go, well, that was that was an exceptional performance that will never be repeated at the US Open as a qualifier mm. at 18. Let her now just develop and grow and have her ups and downs and see where she lands. But, yeah, we'll, um, yeah, we'll get a feel when she plays in the next couple of days.
1: Absolutely. And as you say, this women's uh, this year, it does seem way more open because of the names who aren't there. You know, Naomi Osaka's not there. Ash Barty's not yep. there. Serena Williams mm. isn't there. You know, there's, is is Venus Williams there or is she wild card or anything? No. Or? Well,
0: Venus had to pull out because she got the injury in Auckland. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She got injured so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So she was, she controversially got the wild card into the Australian Open. That uh, People were up in arms about that here that oh. you're giving her and, and yes, incredible pedigree, seven-time major winner but mm. 42 years of age. She only played four matches in the last year. She's basically been inactive for a large part of the last three years. Gotcha. And I think the I, th- I think the Australian Open wanted to recognise the champion that she's been, probably being her last, and that's yeah. why they gave her the wild card. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the debate here as, as to why, but anyway, she's not going to be here, and that's probably the last time we'll... See her. I'm not sure if she's coming back at 43 next year. No,
1: I doubt. Well, well I doubt it. Yeah, I, I doubt it. So really, it, it's it's uh, Inga Suriatik's to lose this the women's final. A women's. Yeah,
0: I, I think so. Yeah, and, and you don't quite know. I mean, Inga uh, had that loss in the United Cup game back about 10 days ago to the world number three, Jessica Bagula and that just sort of made us. Think well, okay. Um, it's not going to be all Eager's way, and 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 she is absolutely the hunted. So everyone wants to take her scalp, and she had an incredible year last year. Uh, but she's only got to be about five to ten percent off, and you know one of those girls could maybe uh, maybe grab her. But yeah, until until that happens, I think she deserves the favoritism. She plays a really dynamic brand of tennis, and. Uh, I think she's opening up Yeah, night session uh, day one up against Jules Nema who's um, a player from Germany but yeah she should be able to get through that fairly comfortably.
1: Okay well you've, as you know uh, Brett a lot of our audience and your audience in Aussie too we love a bit of a flutter. You've given us Holger Rune as a bit of a dark horse in the men's side. On the women's side who are you picking to we've got, let's say Eger's going to take it up but if there's a dark horse if there's a smoky in this pack who is it? Hmm.
0: Well I don't know if she's totally a smoky, but uh, I've been covering Adelaide in the last week and Belinda Benchich. the question we've always had about Belinda and, mm-hmm. you know, fine play. I mean, as an 18-year-old, she got into the top 10 of women's tennis, beat some very good players and got a debilitating wrist injury. She's come back, um, won the tournament last night, so she jumps back in the top 10 and you know I think we all think there's a grand slam in her she's had a, her best runs have come at the US open the semi in a couple of quarters but mm. I feel like she's I feel like she's just her game's got a bit more there a bit more bite a bit more aggression off the ground and I think you know she's ready to go deep um, at an Australian open and look sometimes those lead-in victories aren't always the precursor but I feel like she's built some nice sort of winning form and I think Bencic is a real uh, a real chance to go
1: really deep uh, in this next fortnight. Okay, Belinda Bencic, we'll keep an eye out on that one. Hey, Brett, mate, uh, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us today, and I'm sure we'll be listening for the next couple of weeks to see how it all pans out at the Aussie Open. Thank you, mate.
0: No, looking forward to it. Thank you.